0: It had to be you. Is that men and women can't be friends because the sex part always gets in the way?
1: I, I didn't heckle you you is supportive. I'm in love
0: with Could you. Could make me be true. Snap out of it! The Could magnificence make me that comes out of your eyes and your voice and the way you stand there and
1: the way you walk. you lit from within, Tracy. It had to be you. Wonderful you. It had to be you. Hello, romantics. Welcome to It Had To Be You, the talk film society podcast that's all about falling in love on the big screen. I'm your host, Manish Mathur In each episode, I'll be chatting with a guest about one of their favorite romantic comedies from classics to modern hits. My guest today is Diego Crespo. How's it going?
0: Hello, I'm I'm doing great. Everything's fine. <laughs> Everything's fine here. Thank you for having me on. Um, and, yeah. and thank you for just like reaching out because you're you're a good person in the Twitter sphere. You know, we've never met in person, but it's always great to talk to you, and uh, it's great to see that you're still keeping this up.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, right back at you. Uh, yeah. Thanks so much for doing this. I've been wanting to have you on for a long, long time. So I'm glad that we finally. Got to do it, um, and uh, really excited to talk about this movie that you've picked for us. Would you like to introduce it?
0: Yeah, today's uh, film is 1984's "Romancing the Stone," directed by Robert Zemeckis and written by Diane Thomas.
1: Yeah, oh my god, this movie is like such a like childhood classic, right? Like for both of us, like I'm sure you've seen this a million times on
0: TV. I actually did not watch this growing up. I'd only seen it recently, a couple years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah, like, uh, before Aquaman came out, I remember James Wan being like, oh, you know, I'm pulling from, like, Raiders and Romancing the Stone. And I'm like, huh, I've heard of that. I should probably watch it. And then I saw it, and I was like, this is great. It, it's like such a lean, efficient, little romantic adventure film. And uh, I, I fell in love with it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, 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 this movie, I mean, like, I remember this was, like, one of those movies that was just, like, on TV, like, it would play, like, like through the summer, mostly, um, and, like, one of those movies that I felt, like, was, like, very cool and adult, you know, even, like, as a kid, I was, like, oh, wow, like, these are, like, adults do. you know, like, when you watch your first like um grown up movie and like yeah i mean i definitely do want to talk about the aquaman connection cuz i definitely like you mentioned that to me when we were planning the episode and i was like yeah like i remember him saying that and i remember like um like i was like kind of put put it in my head that they're very um that aquaman's inspired by this movie Um, but I, uh, when I was watching it earlier today, I was like, oh yeah, like I can definitely see the Aquaman connection. Um, so what is it about the movie that really, you know, uh, that, what is it about the movie that you really like and like, why is it, why has it become one of your favorites over the years?
0: Uh, the, the cast chemistry. And the writing is a big thing with it. Uh, I'm a Robert Zemeckis fan. I don't think this is, like, his finest hour or anything like that. But he clearly did a good enough job, like, getting all the pieces together. So, you know, hats off to him. I'm a fan. But I I think the writing is really impressive because it's so, like, casual. But it's also very economical. It's not really, like, any moments wasted. And you you don't need every movie to merely exist with, like... Superfunctory, like emotional exposition or like plot exposition, but this movie like makes it feel easy and it is not easy to do that as yeah. most romantic adventure films will kind of remind you. <laughs> um, it's not, it's not easy to buy into the chemistry of the characters, but here it's just like, I think people overlook this because it's so effortless. It makes it look too easy. <laughs> That's its biggest hurdle for me. <laughs>
1: Yeah, definitely. I feel like, you know, what I... I have to admit, Robert Zemeckis is not one of my favorite directors. I mean, like, not to say that I don't like his movies or anything like that, but, like, he's definitely not one that I will always, like, return to all the time, and, like, I don't really count any of his movies as, like, in my top, you know, 10, 50, or whatever, but... Every time I watch one of his older movies, I'm just so struck by exactly what you're right, like, economical and how, um, he keeps everything moving so fast. I mean, this movie is very plotty in a sense. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of, you know, I mean, it's a road movie, you know, so there's always something, you know, like, the next destination on the trip, but, like, um, it's so just, uh, yeah, just fast-paced, engaging, like, um... And I really appreciate that about, you know, Zemeckis and how he's able to do that in all those movies that I like of his, you know, like, especially, you know, like the major ones, like Death Becomes Her and um, uh, Castaway and um, Back to the Future, of course, like he just does, does this kind of like, um, just like entertaining movies so well, especially in this 80s era, 80s, 90s era. Um, and yeah, I mean, definitely you want to talk about the cast, um, like the chemistry between the two actors, like Kathleen Turner and Michael Douglas were just so like electric. And, um, I just, I, I, I mean, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, but I just feel like chemistry just isn't the same now. And I'm, was trying to figure out why I felt like this movie felt so, feel so like, um, like such a throwback and why, like, I I I just feel like I don't... You don't see this kind of movie these days. I think
0: people aren't allowed to be, like, sexy anymore. (laughs) And, like... You know, like, the Oceans trilogy just went to Netflix right now. And those are, like... The cast isn't just attractive, but, like, those are, like, sexy-looking movies, right? Yeah. And there's a lot of criticism about Oceans 8, where it's, like... Gary Ross ain't no Steven Soderbergh, you know? But the cast of that movie makes that movie work. But it's, you know, like... You want a little pizzazz with it. You want a little electricity. And Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner just, like, they just have it in spades, you know? Because, like, they're both conventionally attractive, but they're not movie star attractive, I don't think. You know, like, they're gorgeous people, but the, yeah, I, I don't... Like, you know, it's all subjective. But, like, to me, they're not, like, drop-dead gorgeous, like, you know, cartoon jaw-drop-to-the-floor yeah. kind of situation. But well, they're... They, that... they got something. I think the, the
1: X factor that we're kind of dancing around is that, like, they're not presented in this movie as, you know, glamorous movie stars, right? Like, mm-hmm. they look like, in some ways they look like, you know, normal people. You know, she's dressed down a lot and she's also wearing clothes that are, you know, appropriate for <laughs> her location. <laughs> and he looks like, um, you know, he looks like a your typical, like, you know, adventure guy, like, nature doc kind of guy. But, like, um, it's so, yeah, it's so interesting because, like, they just, just, like, they're, like, framed and, like, filmed as characters first and actors second. And I think, um, like, I'm never the kind of guy who's, like, oh, like, old movies are better. Like, new movies, like, don't have this kind of thing. But I'm just, like, watching this movie, like, it's so rare to see, like, a major blockbuster with just, like this kind of this, where, like, the adventure is there, but also, like, the main draw is, like, the chemistry and, and the romance here. Uh, yeah, so I was just, like, and, like, I think you're absolutely right. Like, it's just, like, it's sexy in a way that's, like, not, to- it's not sexual, but it's just, like, I mean, it is sexual at times, but, like, there's just, yeah, like, pizzazz. That's, that's such, a great, such a great word for this.
0: Oh, yeah, I, lo- I love that word. Um, there's a <laughs> there's a dancing sequence with them Yeah, that is just, like, amazing you know nothing nothing flashy with the camera moves but there is a moment when they when they lock lips and the backlights just like ignite behind them and it is so like obvious but it's like in a movie like this you have to do something like that like it's too perfect to not like interact with the environment around them like that and uh i don't know i don't know why it's not common maybe Maybe, like, the the big movies, uh, the the money pushers don't feel that sex is, like, a draw anymore. But then again, like, the the Fifty Shades of Grey movies made, like, bank. At least the first one did. So, who knows? I don't know.
1: I mean, yeah, like, um, I just actually just talked about this on my previous episode um, with uh, Kaylee Hearn, but it's, like, um, I think, like, big, big, like, these big blockbusters that are kind of... uh, steered towards you know the four quadrants where like they really don't want to offend anyone because like you have to you know make sure that everyone comes back for the sequel right like i think that um they just become so safe because there's like you don't want you know you want like i mean romancing the stone is not a movie for like it's not really marketed towards like kids right or families i mean like i watched mm-hmm. it as a kid but like it's not like this is like you know like 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 the superhero movies these days, like the big blockbusters these days. I feel like they all have to be family friendly, and so you just can't have that like level of, you know, heat and intention con- because like, you know, it won't be seen as a kid. Like I feel like Fifty Shades of Grey, you know, the, those movies are definitely geared towards adults, and so they're allowed to be a little bit more on the, you know, risque side, but that's why we, like movies like those make money because like, they're so rare.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so, but yeah. I mean, uh, watching this again, I was just so struck. Like what are your favorite, like what are some of your favorite moments or scenes from the film?
0: Uh, honestly, the moment I realized I loved this movie was when um, Kathleen Turner was like, I, I need to, to get from point A to point B basically and like I forget the specific dialogue but like Michael Douglas is like, oh well like my fee's like 400 for that one specific thing <laughs> and it's like of course like he's pulling that out of his ass because he knows he could take her for a ride yeah. and then she's and then they're like they immediately like click together like they don't like each other but they need each other yeah. and then like you can you can see the bickering leading to something more, you know. And uh, I, it's just kind of fun. It's fun to watch people's like relationships evolve, hmm. you know. And I think that is also another big problem with uh, modern romance movies, with those big four quadrant ones. Like, not to name any names, because otherwise I'll send you down a rabbit hole that I we don't need to tarnish this episode with. But sometimes yeah. you see like one movie sets up a romance, and then the next one they're in it, and that's like it. And
1: yeah, that's like,
0: oh, yeah. there's no there's no excitement or conflict. Yeah, you know
1: exactly. Uh, yeah, I really like that little negotiation scene too. Because, like, you know, Joan, which is Captain Turner's character, like, she's, like, set up as this very, like, mousy, you know, uh, sheltered, like, unadventurous woman. And you think that, you know, she's kind of a fish out of water in this, you know, in the Colombian jungles. So you're kind of like, I was really ready for this movie to be kind of like, um, oh, which is the Indiana Jones with Kate Capshaw? Oh my god, Temple of Doom.
0: I was totally yeah. gonna that's in my notes. I was totally gonna bring that up later, but let's just do it. Yeah, yeah like this
1: is- I was expecting her to be like that, where she's just like some like shrieking, like, you know, in the way character. You're just kinda of, it's like supposed to be funny, but it's like reads as irritating now. But I mean like from the negotiation scene on, like every she's always like it's so it's so fascinating to watch her development from this sort of like mousy, you know, like uh, shrinking violet type character into someone who can hold her own um, against you know all these like cri- like the criminals and nature and animals and stuff
0: yeah she's uh she's capable yeah. you know and, and not to get into a whole thing where like everyone gets so mad online or the the dude bros get so mad online when there's like a woman and she like she can do anything they're like <laughs> Feminist I mean, propaganda, you know, right. and it's just, like, ridiculous. And here, um, I, I, I bet they'd still react negatively, but I just love how, like, she's just capable, you know? And, like, it doesn't mean she's, like, excelling at it or she's bad at it. It's just, like, the, yeah. the characters are treated like human beings, and I think that goes a long way. And honestly, I think people miss that more than they might realize in movies.
1: Yeah, like, this movie does a really good balance of showing her as, like, out of her element you know but without making her seem like a nuisance <laughs> which i think is what happens you know yeah. especially when you like when it's like a comedy where like the woman is a fish out of water it just like becomes so reductive and insulting like I, like there's a way to do it but like most like i think like um i can't really think of a movie where like the where like a woman is in that role and it's really not as like disrespectful Except for this one. Like, I think this is the perfect kind of, like, balance of that. Because, like, you know, she right. Like, she's capable. And be- it's because she, like, you know, writes books like these. So she, like, I love the scene where she's like, well, you know, in my book, I hid the, like, I hid the jewel in the statue. And that's, like, you know, like, she, like, recalls, like, things that she's done as a writer. And that helps her. So I think it's, like, so, um yeah, it's just such a, like, well-done character arc for her. And I was so... I was pleasantly surprised. I was really expecting the worst from, you know, a 1980s movie starring Michael Douglas.
0: (laughs) I know, like, and again, I'm just so glad you brought up Temple of Doom because that is totally the opposite of this. Like, I I would say, like, the set pieces are more exciting in that, and that's, like, it. I, I am not a Temple of Doom fan. Spoiler alert for my own... Uh, retrospective podcast, I guess, or the yeah. Temple of Doom episode. <laughs> um, it is just loud and obnoxious and horribly sexist and racist. And it, yeah. it's oh, not yeah. that fun to watch nowadays. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, it's, it's just nice to watch people be human beings and, like, uh, she, she fucks up sometimes, and it's like, okay, because that doesn't, like, define her. She's just trying to survive.
1: You know, yeah, and it's like, fun she's... to watch
0: people work their way through these problems.
1: Yeah, like, it wouldn't be fun to watch her, like, go in as, you know, a female Indiana Jones, right? Like, that. I mean, there wouldn't be that level of, like, excitement because, like, as an audience member, I'm like, well, what would I be doing in this situation and pretty much what she's doing, so... <laughs>
0: oh, yeah, she's totally, like... She's a great audience surrogate, and she's also yeah. got her own, like, agency and all yeah, of this, yeah. too. Like, it, oh, it's, it's so good. Um, and uh, on the Steven Spielberg note... Diane Thomas was also uh, writing the movie Always for Steven Spielberg. Um, unfortunately, uh, at, at around the, the time of her death, so she couldn't work on uh, the Jewel of the Nile, which was a sequel to this film. So yeah. she she did not get to work on the sequel and and, and live to see a, a fruitful career, which is very um, sad and, and, and very tragic. Because uh, I I read the screenplay only only once so far, but uh, I'm trying to read more of them and uh it's it's really well written she she just yeah. had such a way of like punctuation and like the ebbs and flows of like the rhythms of it too it's some, yeah. sometimes sometimes are boring it's boring to read screenplays like it but she she just had it man that it, it's such a tragedy
1: yeah i would love to read her screenplay um and it's it's so amazing like i so i didn't know anything about um about Diane Thomas, you know, when I, um, when I watched the movie today and I was reading up about the movie after and I was like, oh yeah, who wrote this movie? Because it seems like it, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like a movie that was like, you know, handed off between 30 writers, right? Like it seems like a very personal, um, like unique, uh, unique screenplay and concept, and I was reading up about her and I was like, oh, wow, like, she... Yeah, like, she really just... She had one of those stars-born writer moments, right, where she's just like, the waitress who happens to meet Michael Douglas and at her restaurant or at a cafe, and, you know, she pitches a story to him, and it's made into a film, and it's like, yeah, and then, you know, I I would have loved to have seen what her take on Indiana Jones would be, because I think she what I love about this movie is that it does all that, all those adventure movie tropes. Like, it's such a throwback to, like, those 1930s, you know, movies. You know, like, the ones that George Lucas and Spielberg, you know, watched
0: mm-hmm.
1: as kids. And then it adds in this romance element, which is something that neither Spielberg nor George Lucas are that good at. Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
0: um, like, I, I'll also so, go to bed yeah. for the Raiders romance, but that one like, in the performances, too. We for stand sure.
1: But, um, I think that like, yeah, like she just it, this movie just has that like combination with, of romance and adventure that I feel like can really uh, that really I'm sure like inspired both men and women as they were growing up because it just it has like all these elements of like the classic hero's journey, but it's so exciting, it's so there's so many colorful characters and romantic and funny and yeah. Um, it's really, really tragic, um, and I really, you know, feel bad that like her career got cut short because I felt like she could have been like, you know, a superstar in her in her field.
0: Yeah, I, I love that you, you called it her like a star born moment because it was totally that, and just like, God, I want to peer into the alternate universe where she got to have that flourishing career. Uh, like, she also um, did a, a draft of a version of the third Indiana Jones film which is the one that would have taken place in like a haunted castle in Scotland or something. Uh, that was not the final film. Um, but, ah, oh, man, like I, I'd love to, I'd love to check that out too. Cause she, she, she just had it. And that's speaking. of yeah, that's um, really yeah. Speaking of the sequel, have you seen the jewel of the Nile? I have not. I've seen a single scene from it that involves Danny DeVito and Michael Douglas. And that's it. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know why. That's I've only seen one scene. <laughs> um, I haven't
1: seen it either, but looking at the people who wrote it, uh, let's just say they probably didn't have the same level of <laughs> um, appreciation for, you know, what the first movie was going for. Like, um, also written the guy, I well... Uh, this is a writer of the um Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes, Mighty Joe Young, Sorcerer's Apprentice, Mona Lisa Smile. You know, not not a great that, yeah.
0: You, I don't know if you could have listed a, a worse series of films <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. in succession. That's pretty bad, <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, also covered by Lawrence Connor, who was a writer on Sopranos. And um, oh, okay, well, there's... So there's some good stuff there, yeah. but yeah, I mean, I just think that like. This kind of a unique um, film should be like, I think it would have been best served by its original screenwriter had she been able to. Please, I need your help.
0: That's my new career. Huh? It's very, lady. Lady. Half a year's work just flew south for the winter, all right? My Jeep is totaled. In about five minutes, everything I own in the world is going to be wet. So, can you lighten up, please? I really don't have the time. I'll pay you. You don't understand. It's a matter of life and death. If I don't get to How my much? sister... How much? Fifty dollars.
1: Oh, shit. Well, you, you said you just lost everything you owned. Well, not my sense of humor. Well, I'll pay you a hundred dollars. Two hundred dollars.
0: do it for five what F- i'll pay you 250 dollars
1: now i ain't cheap
0: but i can't be had my minimum price for taking a stranded woman to a telephone is 400 dollars
1: will you take 375 in travelers checks
0: american express of course our a deal
1: To talk a little bit about michael douglas because um i don't know like i have such a weird relationship with michael douglas because like i like a lot of his movies but almost in spite of him but <laughs> i also think that he's like an amazing actor so it's like a lot of back and forth what are your thoughts on him
0: i am a michael douglas fan like soccer. i know like like a lot of like he's one of those actors where, like, oh yeah, probably I'm a fan. Like a lot of people will just say yes and then not think twice about it. But I'm glad you actually like brought up like kind of this asterisk in regards to that because no one no one questions things anymore. Yeah, no, we, we need to question things more. Um, I I don't know. Like let I me mean, take a look at his like recent filmography. Like apart from like the Marvel stuff, I don't even know what else he's been doing. Um, but I like I think of something like uh, Basic Instinct. He's really good in yeah. Uh, uh, wall street I, I think he's he's nice as like a scumbag you know he plays sleazy really well here i, I would never picture him in this kind of role ever again and he's re- he like like he's really good he's he's got this like this roguishness but he's not cool he's also just a dude trying to get by like on a daily basis he, he's like the reality of han solo where han solo it like is kind of the same too You know, he's kind of like a rogue, but he's also basically an idiot. Uh, And that's why I love him. But, like, he's got that movie star cool. Michael Douglas doesn't have the movie star cool here. Like, he's literally just getting out of things by, like, the skin of his teeth.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I was wondering, like, why he was cast. Because I definitely would have seen, yeah, Harrison Ford, I think, would have been the obvious choice. Um, almost too obvious. I'm kind of glad it wasn't. Yeah, him, yeah. Like, you know, even like, I don't know, like who was even like the main people in that era? I'm trying to think. Like Tom Hanks. I mean, was he too young? I don't know.
0: Um, I think he was too young. Of, yeah. Like God, Harrison Ford just had a monopoly on like handsome in the 80s, I guess. <laughs> yeah. um. But
1: like, what I like about Michael Douglas um, is that in his best movies, he's very much like a cad, like problematic, toxic, you know, cancelled guy. (laughs) Like, Fatal Attraction, Basic Instinct, um, uh, what's the other one? uh, Disclosure, like, the game, all these movies, he's playing someone that's, like, so creepy. But then when you use that in this movie, it, like, works well, because he has that, like, level of "Mm, you shouldn't trust him, you shouldn't go with him, like, (laughs) he's trying to fleece you of your money just to take you to a telephone. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, like, it works. And you can also see why he's so charming, because he just has that, like, um, uh, command. Or, like, he's kind of alluring in a weird way.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I like that. Alluring. Um, yeah. there, there's something about him where it's almost like his character is used to, like, taking people for a ride, like I mentioned, and... But it's like he, he's never been able to, like, establish a, a, an equal, balanced relationship. Not even, like, romantically, just, like, platonically, right? Yeah. And so, like, every day of his life down there, he's trying to, like, survive and get by. And now that he's met someone else who's trying to stay alive and get by, they find out that they actually just work really well together. Yeah. And that their chemistry just allows that to, like, flourish, you know? And and. Th- I don't know. It's rare to buy into a relationship like this for me, but uh, he's he's an odd one, Michael Douglas. Something <laughs> he's hard to pin down. He, he's an icon he's, for a reason, but I don't know if I get him. But I appreciate him.
1: Yeah, he is definitely hard to pin down. And like you're right, like his like 2000 2010s career is so weird. Like I can't think of a single movie of his that's like become like a cl- I mean, aside from the Marvel movies, which is like. You know, like, obviously, like those, he's great in those. I think, but like, if it wasn't him, it'd be someone else. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. But so I can't really say like that's an iconic Michael Douglas movie. But like, yeah, he has. I mean, I don't know the Wall
0: Street sequel. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he, he's good in it. I, yeah, I don't he's think good, we need sure. to relitigate everything else about it. But he's good. Yeah. Oh, I guess
1: he's on the Kaminsky method. I'm just reading, which is I'm being told is a real television show, even though. No one has seen it. No it's one, has one seen of those. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like I think that. Um, yeah, I think their chemistry works really well. I think that has a lot to do with Kathleen Turner. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure you would agree that she basically carries the movie all herself because she's such a like incredible presence. Um, like yeah, totally. body heat. I mean, have you ever seen Body Heat? With I haven't her seen Body. Um,
0: no, I oh, haven't. Man,
1: it's like a like neo noir. Um, very, like, if you think this movie is sexy, that movie is like, you know, like sweaty,
0: lusty. It's great.
1: <laughs> That's um, the uh,
0: De Palma it, one, right?
1: Uh, is it De Palma? No, I don't think so. Oh, no, Lawrence
0: Kasdan. Yeah, okay. okay.
1: But it's like a um, kind of reworking of um, Double Indemnity.
0: Oh, okay. Well, now uh, it's the best movie ever made. Yeah, yeah. This <laughs> on that alone.
1: Um, yeah definitely it's like highly recommended it's also with um, William Hurt Um, he's like the the main guy so the two of them together are just so so I always think of Kathleen Turner with that role Um, so to see her in this movie where she's like the exact opposite so just like sheltered and hysterical and funny and you know kooky it's yeah (laughs) um what do you think about the score which is done by alan silvestri iconic composer
0: yeah i love alan silvestri uh i guess to, to go back to the marvel stuff he just killed it on like three back-to-back scores i think right. for like at least yeah. two for the yeah, avengers yeah. ones um like that's the highlight of those movies for me he's he's just knocked out of the park every time i wouldn't say this is great uh, this is this is like a serviceable score to me i don't know maybe time will make me treat it differently but it's I, I probably wouldn't have even have mentioned it if you didn't bring it up right now. Like, <laughs> like, it's not bad. It's just, yeah, I don't, I don't particularly care for it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can't, um, I can't quite disagree uh, with you there. But like, I don't know. It suit the film. Like, I'm a big, you know, like I love a good saxophone theme.
0: Oh yeah, uh, yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> especially in the
1: 80s. It just like it just has that like you know. Again, it's that, like, kind of sensual thing that this movie has going for it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, I can't say that I, like, well, I'm going to download the tracks, but uh, I just wanted to mention the saxophone theme.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I love a good saxophone, too. Like, yeah. the Lethal Weapon movies will come out, like, exactly, three years after yeah. this, and those are exactly. killer saxophone. Yeah, Just ignore the raging racists in the lead role. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Um, oh my god! I can't believe I forgot to bring up the man of the hour, Mr. Daniel Devito.
0: Yeah! Oh, <laughs> he rules. He rules. <laughs> have you seen the trailer to this? This is this is related to him, by the way. No, I have not. I'm going to watch it. Oh, <laughs> right, the trailer is his character going into a room after the first instance when the when the bus crashes. Right? Yeah. He goes back to the hotel room. Blah, blah, blah. Like, ah, oh, you know. And then he explains the situation in the movie, and then the trailer. Shows the clips of the movie as he's going over it. Oh wow! And then, and then he's like, "Oh, fine, I'm going back out there." And then he turns to the camera and he goes, "I'm take, but I'm taking you with me." And it's like, it's really cute and like awesome. Yeah. So like, if I saw that in the '80s in the theater, I would have been like, "Oh, I'm seeing that movie. Fuck yeah!" Yeah.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah it, it's a lot of fun. Um, but he's great. Danny DeVito is one of our greatest living artists and activists. And he's just, he just rules. He can do like anything. He can direct movies. He can play like a Weasley sidekick to a villain. Uh, he yeah. can be like a, a psychopath on uh, It's Always Sunny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, yeah, he's great.
1: I know. I'm like always glad that like he has become, I mean, he's always been obviously very popular and, and appreciated, but I'm glad that like. You know, people on like our generation and younger are also appreciating him because he's such a talent. Like, um I just started watching Taxi on Hulu. I don't know if you've seen the seventies to come.
0: No, I have I know of it and I know he was in it. Yeah. And that's he literally plays, all like, I
1: know about it. It's yeah, I mean it's about like a group of taxi drivers in New York City in the seventies and he's the dispatcher. Um, and it's very much, you know, your classic David Devito kind of character, where he just yells at people, insults them, but like has a heart of gold, you know. Oh yeah. He's like the he's like the dad of all the, the drivers, um, even though he insults them constantly. But he's so funny because, like, um, just like even with his, you know, you would think with his like build of being like kind of short and stocky, like he just, like, has this, like, presence, and I'm just, like, in so, in awe of just, like, how much he can just, like, control the scene that he's in, and just, like, you know, your eyes go, like, right to him, and I saw that that way with this movie, too, like, there's, um, oh, God, there was one moment where I was, like, could not, like, I need like, I could not believe what I was seeing, but it was such a small thing that, like, I can't quite remember what exactly what it was, but I think he was, like, on some counter like on the phone or something and he's like yelling at someone on the other end it's yeah i mean it's great like he's just yeah he's so funny he's but he's so good he's like so menacing
0: too <laughs> yeah and there's he's got like a real great villain presence yeah like even i don't want to give i don't give it away for people that haven't seen it but like there's a scene later in the end, where he's not exactly in a position of power, I'll say like it's very much at yeah. the end, and uh, he's shouting at this dude, and it's still like imposing, even though he can't actually do anything about it. It's yeah. still like, like man, I wish he did more villain roles. Like I know. I know, I know he did like Matilda, and obviously the Batman Returns one, which is like iconic for a reason. But uh, yeah, more more Danny DeVito villain roles. Well, well we got him. Let's let's not. That's not a uh, lose appreciation for know, Daniel uh, Devito.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's uh, one of a kind kind of guy. Um, I do have to ask, like, what are some, like, what are your some other, other favorite Robert Zemeckis movies uh, aside from this one?
0: For a for a recent poll. Uh, I actually was a big fan of Allied, and I did not expect to be a big fan of Allied. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> Have you seen it?
1: Uh, yeah, I've seen it. I saw it in theater, and I watched it on television, like whenever it was
0: on HBO or whatever. But yeah, yeah. Let's, let's talk about Allied. <laughs> it, it it's like his attempt at doing Casab like it's literally taking place in Casablanca. Yeah, yeah, you know, and like I I don't know. I thought it was like sweet and tragic. Um... I thought it was really good, and I, I was shocked to see people say like, "Oh, it's just another Robert Zemeckis like misfire." Like, I don't know. For me, that's one of those ones where you watch it and it's like, I think I saw a different movie. I would say
1: of the, um, I think of the his movies of the last you know twenty years since Castaway, I think that it's his best one. Um, now that there's like a huge competition there, uh, yeah. looking at his career, and it's like, okay, yeah, Polar Express, sure, Beowulf, fine, Christmas Carol, I do like that movie actually. Um, Flight is, um, Denzel's great, The Walk is troubling, um, and then you have Allied, <laughs> and then you have Welcome to Marwin, which is also troubling. So, yeah, I yeah. mean, I think it's a. I mean, it's an interesting counterpoint to this movie because that that's also a movie that's very much about um, the chemistry between the two actors, and it's also a very elemental movie. You know, like they have that, like it takes place in the desert. There's a famous, I think the best scene in the movie, and one of the best scenes is Zemeckis's design is when they're you know making love in the sandstorm.
0: Oh, that's the best. Yeah, that that's like top ten Zemeckis moments for yeah. me, honestly. Um, and, like, I think Allied, I
1: mean, I'm glad you brought it up because, you know, Allied is one of the few movies that I think can, that try to capture what this movie has in the sense of, like, you just have, like, two beautiful movie stars, like, in the top of their game, just, like, having chemistry and, you know, there's that erotic tension that you just don't really see. And, I mean, uh, I think Allied is... I would say I like the first hour better than the second hour, but definitely a movie that I can recommend because I think it's just, like... you just it's just a rare kind of movie. Like, yeah, it's a an homage, we'll say, to Casablanca, but I think in a way that was very refreshing because, like, spy movies just don't have that level of, like, sophistication and glamour. Mm-hmm. These days, you know, spy movies are, like... You know, they're, like, Jason Bourne. They're, you know, James, like, the Daniel Craig James Bond where there's just it's a lot of action which is great but like ally just has that like level of you know like stealing glances and music and costumes and romance so
0: yeah a good stolen glance goes a long way for romance honestly (laughs) um and the way actors look at each other like you have to believe the eyes and like what they see in one another so like uh, i i could talk about it, allied for a whole other episode honestly but like for for romance in the stone like when they're looking at each other on the dance floor let's like yeah like that you don't want to be between them because you're gonna get a smooch or i guess maybe maybe you do want to be between them in that I situation because yeah, yeah. like look yeah. at them but like like i don't know like it's it's just so believable and uh i i allied just has has an element of that for sure too i'm, I'm glad we got to talk about it a little bit Uh, I don't know if she's got much more else in the romance category. Mm, Definitely not Back to the Future because of the mom thing. I mean, we could definitely.
1: I have a lot of comments about Back to the Future um, and the whole mom thing. uh, (laughs) We can get into if you'd like, but um, I think uh, the other, I guess, like the other like relationship movie for Robert Zemeckis is like What Lies Beneath, which is like, I mean, it's about a crumbling marriage, but. You know there is the chem. I mean Michelle Pfeiffer and uh, oh it is Harrison Ford again. I think. Oh, there you go. He got um, him eventually. Yeah. <laughs> they. I mean like they do have like a certain chemistry and like I think um, it's another movie that's like very much focused on like two movie stars like in a relationship and like you do have like the supernatural you know elements the horror elements but at the core that movie is about you know a marriage. So I think there's like. I think that would be the other one, um, that's, I mean, it's not a romance per se, but does have elements of it. Um, I guess Forrest Gump is, you know, Jenny is kind of the, you know, one of the classic, you know, love interests of, you know, the 90s, I guess, uh.
0: I, I like the addition of I guess uh, I know it's a very like uh, contentious film on online. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. I can't I can't say I'm a big Forrest Gump fan, uh, but yeah, I think that like um, Forrest Gump, the romance is interesting because I think it it works almost in. Um, I think the Forrest Gump romance is almost doing the exact opposite of what it's trying to do, which I think is like, very fascinating and how it's almost a complete failure
0: of itself. <laughs> but uh, we don't have to get into that. <laughs> yeah. I, let's just say I, I don't disagree with you too yeah. much. Uh, I, I am a Forrest Gump fan. I am not a fan of the continued nonstop praise of movies like Forrest Gump. There right. you go. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, you know what's interesting about Romancing the Stone, which I'm reading right now because um, is just like how much money it made at the box office uh, this movie made oh, I'm just trying to read if I can get the uh, the exact total. Um, it made 115 million dollars worldwide off a 10 million dollar budget, which is like 11 times I guess that the Wow.
0: Time. Yeah, and, no, Uh definitely good. I
1: think this movie was a sleeper hit. Like, you know, Zemeckis at the time, I don't think had the kind of clout that he was. I mean, this is before um, Back to the Future,
0: right? Yeah, it's before Back to the Future. Back to the Future would be, like, the next year. He does Back yeah. to the Future the following year. And uh, do you know uh, of his, like, production track record up to this point?
1: Um, You know, I just had his uh, page open. Um, All right. Let's see. So he had done uh, I Want to Hold Your Hand in the 1978. That was his debut. In um, the 1980, he does this movie, Used Cars, with Kurt Russell mm-hmm. um, and Jack Warden. Uh, I've never seen nor heard of this movie. Um, and then Romancing with Someone is right after. And um, what I'm seeing is that um, he uh, kind of like had to... Well, he worked with um, uh, he worked with Spielberg in uh, nineteen forty one. He had had this reputation of being someone who could like write a script, but that just couldn't make a movie. I guess mm-hmm. "Romancing the Stone" was his big breakthrough, and Michael Douglas was a producer
0: on "Romancing the Stone" and hired him.
1: Yeah. So uh, yeah.
0: This I think saved his career. I don't know any like a, I'm not making an official statement on that but I think it saved his career because his first two movies were pretty big bombs
1: Yeah, to the
0: point where he was originally the director of Cocoon and then because they uh, the producer saw a rough cut of the film producer is not Michael Douglas of course um, but like the, the studio ones um, they pulled him from the director because they were like we don't like this yeah yeah uh which is like bananas to me because this movie rules but um but, i I, but, I think that yeah. it would have been bad had this not been a hit for him but thankfully it was
1: yeah and not only a hit but like critically acclaimed um i think michael douglas won the golden globe award for this maybe kathleen turner did as well let me check i don't think so i think she was nominated um and uh yeah like This movie was nominated for Best Editing. She She won. She won. Good for her. Um, That's great. Because, like, honestly, like, it's a great performance. Um, And I could definitely have seen this movie, like, in a different era, like, get nominations for, like, Best Original Screenplay, Best Actress, Best act. Like, you know, it got nominated for Best Editing. Oh, wow. She She went up against some really, some really iconic actors. Uh, Anne Bancroft, Mia Farrow, Shana Long, and Lily Tomlin.
0: That's amazing, man. <laughs> like, that makes it
1: even more impressive. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, this movie, I mean, this movie just has the, like, you know, it's just like one of those, like, magic movies, right, where it's like, it hits at the right time, makes a lot of money, people love it, and becomes a classic, and it's just like, I really, really appreciated this movie on uh, rewatch and definitely one that I, I think i watched it like as an adult, like maybe nine or 10 years ago. Um, but uh, I definitely will definitely keep an eye out for it because I would love to kind of keep this in my like, rotation as like a comfort movie.
0: Oh yeah. It, it's definitely a comfort place movie for me. And I've been, I've been revisiting a lot of those this year for yeah. no specific reason, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> right. Um, But I I just grow to appreciate it more and more, and uh, I I am ever thankful for uh, the late, great Diane Thomas for her contributions to uh, basically the industry and a bunch of careers through this movie, and uh, just on a selfish note for for, for me, because I I love revisiting this movie, and um, she would also have uh, uh, a screenwriting award um, memorialized in her honor, so that was... uh, um, created through the Ucla extension writers program and uh, I just think that's pretty cool you know just a little something to further remember her by
1: that's very heartwarming and it's just it's nice to know that like you know she her impact on the industry is still being felt and that you know she's getting the credit that she should she should get for this movie you know it's not just a factoid, you know that she, you know, wrote it and died soon after. But that you know, people are remembering her as a as a person, as an artist, and that's pretty pretty wonderful. Um, do you have any else? Anything else you'd like to bring up about *Romancing the Stone* or *Zemeckis* or r- romance movies? Anything?
0: Uh, oh, for *Romancing the Stone*, I'll say the the alligator so- like bit is unbelievable and and generally i would consider like basically poaching is kind of gross in real life but yeah. in a movie it, it becomes a really funny punchline in the final scene so <laughs> yeah. i'm gonna yeah. let it slide um, yeah. <laughs> so, because movies aren't real and it's important right. to remember that and that's why yeah. it's okay and funny here and right. bad in real life
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i was really um really enjoying the animal stuff like i'm terrified of snakes and like i cannot even see them on screen sometimes but the gag with the snake i thought was so like not only is it kind of like cool that like, he just like immediately like jumps up and kills it but the i guess I, I couldn't tell this was like a joke but how it was just like so long and just like her like face just like bewildered and her eyes widening <laughs> seeing like how long he was pulling it <laughs> um, but I did fully shudder while while watching that. But hopefully I won't have any snake <laughs> nightmares.
0: Yeah. Oh, the place I'm staying at this week, there's 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 snakes around here. I haven't yeah. seen any uh, since like childhood, but hopefully I know they're out are there. Prisoners. Um. No, extremely. Like the rattlesnakes and stuff. Oh like wow. That. Okay.
1: Well, yeah. But uh, I, will not you know, be I got, <laughs> I,
0: got I got boots, so we're good. Oh, good. That's great. Yeah. And I also well, cannot be killed.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you are invincible. Um, and where can people find you online, Diego? What like what are you working on these days?
0: You can find me at the Twitter Sphere at the Diego Crespo and uh, on my podcast series, the Waffle Press, where I do retrospective series. Uh, currently. I am prepping for the, uh, the premiere of my avatar, the last airbender retrospective series, which will lead me to the Shyamalan film and the follow up legend of Korra, which is excellent. And I'm going to get so mad at so many people for saying otherwise, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> and, um, a, a hangout session with, the uh, co-host and co-writer Gina versa, where we talk with, uh, filmmaker friends and other podcasters, uh, to like about what's going on in the world of movies and, uh, Generally, try to narrow it down to like a single subject. So, like coming up, we're going to be talking about movies that we feel shouldn't be remade, and we're, we're not we're not trying to be preachy about it either. Just sometimes, art is made of a specific vision from an artist, and like I would say, for instance, *Romancing Stone*, I I think this should not be touched because it was the child of Diane Thomas. You know, you can't yeah. you can't hand that to someone else. That was that was hers, and um, I I wouldn't touch it with a Million foot long pole. Yeah,
1: I, mean, I think, yeah, for sure. Like, um, I think this is a movie that can be and has been paid homage to and referenced, but yeah, like a full, of, like, I don't want to see, you know, Romance with the Stone in 2022 with this exact, you know, where she's like a blogger instead of a romance novelist. Like, yeah, that would yeah. Be awful.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know what? I, I will play devil's advocate and say, you can take that setup. Don't call it Romance in the Stone. Right. Do yeah, do exactly. something else. You know, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. this exists. Right. Create something new. People like new. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Um, well, that all sounds great, and I, you know, can't wait to listen, and I hope people will check it out. Um,
0: oh, thank even, you very much.
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, mm-hmm. LeMinish89. Also follow the podcast at It's pod to Be You. <laughs> And uh, please remember to rate, review, subscribe, help people find the show. Uh, Diego, thank you so, so much for taking the time to do this. I had a blast watching the film and talking about it with you, so I really
0: appreciate it. No, thank you so much for having me on. I'd love to do it again, or you gotta you gotta come back because we did an episode a while ago, and uh, we we gotta gotta have you on to the full roundtable discussion. Yeah. You can get more upset at Temple of Doom together and shit. <laughs> oh my god, please! I a lot to <laughs> say about that movie.
1: Uh, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so listeners, thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoyed the episode, and uh, I'll catch you next time. Thanks, bye. Bye bye.